So, serving is the subject of this morning's talk, and you might be expecting me to say that we should all be serving in some way, or that we need to be serving more. There are many areas of activity within the church where we're short of people or need more volunteers, so you might be expecting me to say that what we want you to do is to do more to help. But that's not the message that I want to give this morning. We do have a need for more people to help with youth or children's groups or pod or music or tech or hosting or service leading or probably many other things. But the reason why I'm talking about serving this morning is is for another reason. Serving is something that we, we seem to be good at here in Portswood Church. This is a place where people serve one another in many ways. It's part of our culture. It's part of our heritage too, I think. It's something we do. And there are opportunities to be involved in serving in lots of ways. And the majority of us, the majority of people here at Portswood Church already play a part in helping others. So my message this morning is not that we need to do more. By intention is not for us to feel guilty about how much we're doing. The reason for talking about serving is not to twist arms or to put pressure on anyone. The real goal this morning is to understand what does it mean when we talk about serving, to ask the question, what does it actually mean to serve? And then to think through how we serve, and who we serve, and perhaps most importantly, why we serve. Seems very appropriate to be talking about this today because it's Remembrance Sunday. And as we think about serving, we also think about service. And those who have served, or who are serving, to protect and defend our country, our freedom, our values, our way of life and especially to remember those who have given their lives in the service of others. So serving is very important. I'm sure we'd all agree. After all, as we heard in our reading from John's Gospel a few minutes ago, the very last thing that Jesus taught his disciples to do before he died was to serve one another. Out of all the things... Jesus thought his followers needed to hear or needed to learn before he left them to go to the cross. It was a lesson on serving that Jesus chose. So in light of that, we can conclude something about the importance of serving. Jesus knew that he was about to die. John tells us that Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world. I'm not sure if many of us get to know in advance what time, when the time has come for us to leave this world. But if we do, then we probably want to make that moment count as much as possible. And Jesus knew that it was his last evening with his closest friends before he had to leave them. And so he made these moments count by teaching them this very important lesson. And he did something for them that they would remember. And he spoke words to them that I'm sure would stay with them for the rest of their lives. 
Now, the thing that Jesus did wasn't, wasn't complicated. It wasn't out of the ordinary. It was something that they had probably had done to them many times before. But this time, it was different. This time, it was Jesus who was washing their feet. And they'd seen Jesus, think about it, they'd seen Jesus do many things. He'd healed the sick. He'd driven out demons. He had restored sight to blind people. He'd helped crippled people to walk again. He'd raised people back to life after they died. He'd walked on water. He'd fed thousands of people from just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Jesus had demonstrated again and again that he was no ordinary man. And he'd taught them many things too. He'd spoken many times about the kingdom of God, about life, about death, about forgiveness and sin, about the things that keep us imprisoned and how to be set free. Jesus taught about himself. He taught about his father. He taught about the spirit who would come to live in them and lead them into all truth and fullness of life. So the disciples had come to realize very early on that Jesus was uniquely gifted. He was their Lord and teacher. He had called them to follow him, and they'd left everything behind to follow him, to be with him. And during three years, they traveled to many places together. They'd spent lots of time together. The disciples had seen and heard extraordinary things. And now... On what will be their last evening together before his death on the cross, Jesus washes their feet. Jesus, the greatest person they had ever met, gets up from the meal, takes off his outer clothing, he wraps a towel around his waist, he pours water into a basin and begins to wash their feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I think we can all picture that scene, can't we? Jesus is serving them. He is doing what a servant would normally do. And as he begins, no one says anything. Perhaps they are so shocked at what Jesus is doing that words escape them. But we know just how unexpected this is, just how much of a big deal this is when Jesus gets to Peter, Simon Peter. We don't know whether he was the third or fourth to have his feet washed by Jesus. Perhaps he was seventh or eighth, or perhaps he was the very last one to have this done to him. All we know is that when Peter, when it's Peter's turn, he asks Jesus the question, Lord, are you really going to wash my feet? So for Peter, it is unthinkable that Jesus is going to do this. It is so wrong, so out of place. It's not at all the done thing for the one who is their teacher and their Lord to wash their feet. And Peter knows it. So he says, No, you shall never wash my feet. You don't get more definitive than that. 
Now, we've probably never been in such a situation either, where someone very important, someone greater, much greater than us, has done something for us that a servant would usually do. We've not been in that situation, have we? We've probably never seen anything like this either. We'd probably struggle to think of something equivalent in the world that we live in today. Obviously, we don't need to have servants washing our feet here in Britain in 2023. We wear shoes and socks. We don't walk along dusty roads anymore. So what would be the equivalent to this in our days? I don't know. It's difficult to think of something, perhaps, even to imagine the, you know, the king or queen comes to our house for dinner, and then afterwards they do the washing up. That may not even correspond to what Jesus was doing here, but the important thing is, the important thing is what Jesus tells them once he has washed all of their feet, including Peter's, including Judas too. He's washed their feet, and then what does he do? Typically for Jesus, he asks them a question. Do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand? So Jesus wants them to think about what he's just done. He wants them to consider carefully, to process what it means that he, who is their teacher and their Lord, has just washed their feet. And what will be the consequences of that? Do you understand what I have done for you? And do we understand what Jesus had done for them, I wonder? Perhaps, perhaps not, perhaps Perhaps they didn't understand, perhaps the disciples didn't really get the implications of what Jesus had done for them, and perhaps we don't either. And so Jesus makes it very clear for them, and hopefully for us too. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So can you put up your hand if you have ever had someone wash your feet or if you've washed someone else's feet? Yeah, quite a few of us. But it's a strange thing to do, isn't it? We wouldn't normally expect someone to wash our feet even though even though from time to time our feet do need washing. But usually we wash our own feet, don't we? And that arrangement works pretty well. Perhaps when we get older, we need someone to wash our feet. I know that uh, when Alison was looking after her dad towards the end of his life, she was doing lots of things for him that she'd never had to do before or even imagined doing for him. And she wondered from time to time, whether she had it in her to do what needed to be done for him. And to be honest, I'm not actually sure whether 
Jesus actually wants us to wash one another's feet. That wasn't the reason why he did what he did, I think. And so washing one another's feet is not what I'm expecting to happen next this morning, even if Jesus did say very clearly that he'd set an example that should be followed, that they should do as he had done for them. We're not going to wash each other's feet this morning, so we can relax. But how can we follow Jesus' example? What can we do to serve one another? What might it look like to do today what Jesus did for them all those years ago? And I think this is an important question because Jesus clearly said that he was setting an example. But if it's not washing one another's feet that we're to do, what is it? So opportunity to, to think. Has anyone got an answer to that question that they would be willing to share with us all? How can we follow Jesus' example? What can we do to serve one another? What might it look like? to do today what Jesus did for them all those years ago. Anyone brave enough to suggest something? Mustafa. Excellent. And the toilets need cleaning. So maybe... Maybe cleaning toilets is a way of serving one another. But how do we do it? How do we serve one another like Jesus instructed his disciples all those years ago? Caring for people. And who said praying? Jane, brilliant. Exactly. So... So I I don't think it's obvious, which is why it's important to think about this question. It's not obvious what the equivalent is for us today. But remember that this was something that they needed doing. The disciples needed to have their feet washed, but they hadn't asked anyone to do it at this meal. They probably weren't expecting anyone to do it. And the last thing they would have imagined was for Jesus to do it for them. But I thought of a couple of things that might fit. I don't know if they're quite what Jesus had in mind, but I'll say what they are, and then perhaps we can have a bit of a discussion later on. The two things that came to mind for me where it could be that these things are the equivalent of washing feet were, first of all, asking someone to pray for me. It is. And secondly, asking someone to forgive me. I don't know what you think of those two ideas, but I'd like to know what you think. I think we can serve one another in lots of ways, obviously, and, and these two, two ways to serve one another, to pray for each other and to forgive each other, could have a real impact. John tells us at the beginning of the chapter where we read about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, that this was primarily an act of love. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So there's this strong connection between love, loving each other, and serving one another. 
To pray for someone is a loving act. And to forgive someone is a demonstration of love. I mentioned earlier that I wanted us to think this morning about what it means to serve and to think about how we serve and who we serve and perhaps most importantly to think about why we serve. And even though there are good reasons to serve one another, there are also bad reasons, I think, to serve one another. I'm sure we can think of reasons why it might be unhelpful or wrong or inappropriate to do some things for other people, things that might look like serving, but which really aren't. When it comes to serving, our motivations need to be examined and checked. We can perhaps easily serve for the wrong reasons, and the results are not good for us or for the people that we're trying to serve. And perhaps the easiest trap to fall into is to think that when we serve, our motivation is to help others and is to meet needs. That could be the biggest, doesn't sound like a big trap, but that could be the biggest trap that we fall into, that what we do is to, it's primarily to help others and to meet needs. I think Jesus shows us another way, which is in fact God's way. So all that Jesus did, he did out of love. And all that Jesus did, he did first and foremost for God, his Father. Jesus served because he was serving God, out of obedience to God and out of love for God. He was also motivated by his love for us. But he never used serving to win approval or to coerce or manipulate people into some kind of response. And I think that's quite clear from the times when Jesus healed people. I think Jesus wants us to serve in order to share in the joy that he experienced. So Jesus didn't do things, didn't do the things he did out of obligation or because he had no choice. Jesus freely served because he was free to serve. And we're told in the letter to the Hebrews that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. So why did Jesus serve? Why did Jesus do all the things that he did for so many people? Why did Jesus go to the cross? It was for the joy the joy that he would receive. So perhaps our motivation, our main motivation for serving isn't so much to help others. It's not what we can do for others. We serve because of what we receive from God. Maybe up for discussion. It may be something that we'd like to talk about later. But it seems to me that Jesus wants us to serve each other for the joy that that will bring us. Serving isn't only to help other people. There's something in it for us too. And having washed his disciples' feet and having told them to follow his example, he says, verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus wants them to know that even though serving others it takes effort, 
can sometimes be rejected even. We are blessed if we follow his way. We're blessed if we follow his example. And part of that blessing is the joy that we can experience as we serve. As we do things that perhaps don't get so much attention. As we serve one another in hidden ways, like praying for people or forgiving someone. So we're coming to the end of our series looking at a rule of life. We've now looked at five areas where we've been suggesting that we could construct this supporting framework to encourage growth and fruitfulness in our lives. And we've tried to show that each, each one of these areas is part of the way that Jesus lived his life. Rather than seeing kind of a rule of life as being laws to follow, There are things that we might incorporate into our lives as a means of growing and helping others to grow too. So far, we've looked at slowing down and simplicity, seeking, Sabbath, and now serving. And next week will be the final one for now in this series, and we can look forward to what Louise will have to say next Sunday about shaping. So please come back if you're able to. Uh, But let's just pray now. Mm. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the very many ways that you served people, Lord, and and the many, many ways that you have served us, Lord. And we thank you that that in doing so, you taught your disciples and you teach us to follow your ways, Lord, to follow your example. And for that, we really need your help. So, Lord, just want to pray that this week, today even, you would help us to think about why we serve, Lord, to really examine what we do and why we do it and who we do it for and where you come into all of that, Lord. Help us to serve out of a heart that has been filled by your love and your grace, Lord. Pray that we would be serving you as we serve one another. And, Lord, help us just to think for ourselves what it is that, that it's like washing one another's feet, the things that we can practically do, Lord, the things that we can do in in small ways or in big ways. But Lord, we just ask that you would help us, that you would be involved with us as as we think together about that, Lord. Help us to ask one another, Lord, help us to discuss these things together so that you would be glorified and praised because of your light shining through us and out into the world. So, Lord, we ask these things in your name and for your glory. Amen.